and welcome to News and Brew Sports Biz, the to the point podcast and video series that features new developments related to the coronavirus pandemic and other emerging issues impacting the business of college sports. I'm your host, Katie Davis, the leader of the James Moore Collegiate Athletics Services team. You are in for a treat with today's guest. She's one of my favorite people in the industry because I like to think we are sort of kindred spirits as similar, like living outside of the box personalities. Um, so a big welcome to Deborah Bouton. She's the Chief of Staff, um, Senior Athletic, Senior Associate Athletics Director for Revenue Generation and Senior Woman Administrator at Northern Illinois University Athletics. Go Huskies. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Deborah has a unique perspective to share as she wears multiple hats in her role at NIU. Um, and she's been eating budgetary challenges for breakfast there for multiple years. Um, those are my words, not hers, but I'm pretty sure she feels that assessment pretty well. And as a member of the MAC, the first FBS conference to announce the decision to not compete this fall, we're going to talk about leading an athletics program through a fall with no sports. Uh, Deborah and I just came off of a Lead One CFO webinar um, where Deborah shared her perspective as a panelist on navigating the financial fallout of COVID-19. And um, it was a really great conversation that we had, and I'm hoping that we can build on some of that. Um, so first things first, Deborah, cheers to a successful webinar. And let's talk about um, what brew are you having today? Well, I have uh, Shapley from St. Louis. I have a Kolsch today. Um, we went to this brewery uh, a number of years ago when we visited the Arch in St. Louis. So I figured that would be a good one for today. What about you? Yeah, so I um, went to, um, I've been featuring a lot of Gainesville brews just because we're not getting out very much, but uh, there's a local craft beer shop that sells uh, beers from all over the place. And I specifically went in yesterday asking for um, a Midwest beer. There wasn't anything from Illinois, but Goliath Brewing is out of Iowa. But this particular one is a um, collaboration with the Field Museum and it's called um, King Sioux, which is a double IPA. Yes. And I was like, oh, this is awesome um, because it's close to you and um, it's actually really good. So it's um, I drink a lot of IPAs on here and this one's a really good one. So I'm glad I found it. Fantastic. That's a great connection. That's great. Oh, yes. So first start off um, sharing a little bit about your history in athletics. What got you started and um, where did how did you get to where you're at today? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about these questions and this is actually one of my favorite ones to talk about. Um, the reason I work in college athletics is because I couldn't play football quarterback at Notre Dame, right? So I was nine years old and my dad says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be the quarterback at Notre Dame. And he was like, uh, okay, we should probably talk about this. Um, and it was one of those real kind of mark moments for me. Um, I'm a daddy's girl and, um, you know, it was the first time I'd ever heard that I can't do something. Uh, mm-hmm. I be able to achieve that dream for obvious reasons and um so anyway so he got me involved in soccer anyway long story short i ended up playing college soccer at trinity university it's a small college in san antonio um absolutely loved it loved every minute of it wouldn't have changed a thing um i also uh, met one of my favorite people in the world who is an accounting um unfortunately she's passed away but an accounting professor at trinity and um you know i was kind of a um a kid that um, Trinity was hard for me. It was that uh, everybody was smart. It's like going to division one and playing athletics, right? Everybody's good. Um, so at Trinity, everybody was smart. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do I fit in here? Um, and uh, I, took, I took an accounting class and this professor just locked in on me and said, this is what you're going to do. And I love athletes and we're gonna, and this is going to happen for you. 
And so four years later, I was at an undergrad in accounting, um, and um, that was the first year that you had to get to 150 for the CPA, right? So I took a master's program with, it was the first year of the master's program, and it was with this professor. So I stayed on, I got my master's uh, degree, and then sat for the CPA and passed it. Um, and kind of the rest is history. I'm along the way, my athletic director were at Trinity, um, one day we had like a day of six events one day. I think it was the spring because I, I think I was done playing soccer. So it's a spring semester of my senior year. I think we had a baseball game, softball game, a track meet uh, and two tennis matches going on at the same time. And I'm walking around our athletic facilities and I'm like, this is it. This is what I want to do the rest of my life. Um, and it just so happened that I was able to combine something I was super good at, which was accounting, with something that I really loved, which was um, not only being a college athlete, but being around it on the after, right? Being around it afterwards. And um, I've, all, I mean, I've told that story probably in every interview that I've ever been on, right? Um, but it's one of those things that it, it really, it starts you off. And I think it's not that you have to be a college athlete to work in college athletics, because there's some great people that work in the business that aren't out. Uh, that weren't for more athletes. But I, I think it helps. I think it helps give you a perspective. It, it helps you have a gut check on things that you unfortunately or fortunately get to do, have to do. Um, but yeah, so that it basically started back with the Notre Dame discussion um, that that was not going to be an option for me. So a few short years later, um, here I am in Northern Illinois. I'm originally from Texas, so this is a little bit of a leap for me. Um, although we've been here 10 years, so I, there's no excuses now. Like we've we've locked into the cold and, and we're in. So that's how it started. Yeah. So it's funny because I didn't know that about you. And, and I, I feel like we're so similar, but um, I always wanted to be like Ryan Sandberg, who had played second base for the Cubs. Right. Um, I mean, I wasn't a college athlete, so I didn't get that far, but um, always just have admired sports and uh, my grandmother was um, a PE major and lettered in like 17 different sports when she was in college years and years ago. And I've just always thought sports were so important and love working in the industry, too. So I, I totally feel you there. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah. So one question that I feel like is a loaded question right now is what keeps you up at night? So I like to ask um, what gets you up in the morning? Yeah, um, you know, there's been just so many up and downs lately. Um, and and I, I'll admit initially uh, that first few weeks in March, um, that was more like I was up at night. You know, I was like, what are we doing? Like the sleep wasn't happening. Um, it was such a change to what we had planned. Um, and I think it has turned into what I get up for in the morning, right? I, you know, I was on vacation last week and um, we had some things happen late in the week and I got brought into it late. And um, and then we made some different decisions by Monday. And it was one of those things, it's like, I'm excited to get back to see if we can figure out a different way to approach this. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, that's that's been career goals from the beginning, um, you know, a, a better way to build a mousetrap, uh, you know, how do you get it done despite X, Y, Z. Uh, and I, and this, I said it today on the webinar, I say it all the time, our athletic director says it, um, we're made, a place like ours is made for something like this. Mm -hmm. Because if one direction doesn't go well, it's like, um, okay, fine, then we'll do something else. And that's, 
that was that was how we were pre-COVID. And that's how we'll be post-COVID. Because at, at a place that um, doesn't have as many resources, that has to kind of work um, a little differently. Um, you can't stop being creative. You'll get taken over and you'll get forgotten about. Um, so it's just been more of that. Um, so I think just every day getting up and saying, okay, what what will it be? And this is a great time for, for this uh, this thing I have. This is my, this, I recently purchased this. This is, I had this in my office. This is the decision-making dartboard, right? Uh -huh. So the, for COVID, it says, well, what should we do? And then you put stickers on here on the options and then you throw it. And where it lands, I feel like, sometimes, <laughs> that's real, right? Um, but obviously it's a joke, but at the same time, that's how certainly it felt from the beginning. Like, what should we do? I don't know. Um, and my husband was like, well, make sure on there it says give somebody a hug. Cause obviously <laughs> you can't give people hugs right now. Um, but yeah, my COVID decision-making dartboard, you know, because that's how it feels sometimes. Yeah. But every day you get up and you're like, okay, what, 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 what we'll tackle today? What will we tackle? And that's why college, I think that's why college athletics is so exciting to begin with. Because again, I think pre-COVID, that's why you get up. And how do I fix today? How do I get better? How do I make sure our kids have great experience? How do I make sure our coaches are successful? I mean, all those things. I don't know that it's changed too much, to be honest. It's just a different um, method, maybe. <laughs> well, a bigger challenge, but you've always dealt with the challenges. And yeah. Um, well, so, you know, how are your athletes doing right now? I think they're doing okay. Um, I, um, you know, we had a, a campus decision last week that kind of got us a little bit off, off um, our momentum. You know, we brought our brought our student athletes back kind of in stages. We did a great job and and really um, not only the coaches preaching the, um, you know, follow the rules, stay within your um, bubble, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, we need you to socially distance. We need you to, you know, follow the rules. And then us talking about it, too, us just preaching it over and over and over and over again. And I mean, they're 20 years old. I don't I. I would I would be hard for me to follow these rules at 20 years old, but they've been they've been great soldiers in this, and um, unfortunately we had a little bit of a setback on our campus, and um, we had a decision on Friday, and then we had a little bit of modification modification on a decision through the weekend, and I think they're um, they're doing okay. They're just a little a little numb. They're like a little bit like, what's what's next? I mean, kind of like us, everyone, the whole country, right? Um, you know, we've already moved, and this will come up, obviously, in pretty winter questions, but we've already moved fall sports to spring. You mentioned that the MAC has moved fall to spring. So that decision's made. So I think that was a great moment for them because now they can focus on something else, at least those fall sport mm -hmm. people. Well, now we're dealing, now we get to have the winter sport people, like what's going to happen to us? Um, and the spring sport people are like, oh, we already dealt with this. You're good, you know? <laughs> I was actually talking to our softball coach uh, about a week ago. And, or no, no, a couple weeks ago, and she said, you know, I like the way it happened for us because it was just immediate. There wasn't just waiting around. Like fall took so long for us to decide if it was going to be safe enough or what decision we were going to make based on the information we had. It just took so long. Mm -hmm. Whereas the spring, it was like March 9th or 12th or whatever day it was. It was like, oh, you're done. Everybody's done. Everybody's done. Um, yeah. And I think that's what's going to happen for our winter sports. I mean, obviously, we want to try to compete. We want to make sure we do it in the most safe way. 
Um, and, uh, and obviously people debate that, debate that point too, not only just in our industry, but nationally. And, and that makes it hard. That makes it hard. Um, I have an intern right now who's one of our women's basketball student athletes. And I said, what a great time to like be in a leadership position. She's a captain too, in a leadership position, um, leading people in, in a, in a crisis all the time. What a great thing. She's like, oh, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't like it. I'm like, no, you will. You'll like it about five years from now when you're in a different situation and you're leading because you're like, oh, I've already done this. I've held this position. I've led through a crisis. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like, this is a great opportunity for you to, you know, and I'm having her like write reflection papers of everything she does mainly. So, well, some of it to um, have some time on the internship, but also like looking back on those things. Like, I wish I'd, t I wish I'd t taken a tally of, you know, emotions march 12th you know emotions, <laughs> april 15th but I, I didn't it was now it's all a blur you know so ho hopefully she gets something really positive out of this i don't know hopefully because she gets to play basketball too <laughs> yeah 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 well that's i mean i love to hear just your approach with how you're interacting with your athletes how you're empowering them and and i mean even at your level it just shows how committed you and and just the tone of senior staff at NIU is to you know really going above the you know crisis management in the silo you know you really branch out a lot and you talked some about that during the lead one webinar um, when we talked about navigating challenges since March and that evolution and how you've created a committee of different people within the department to really look and challenge the status quo of the budget. And can you tell me more about who's involved in that committee and um, even speak more to, I love you spoke uh, specifically to your baseball coach getting involved and taking the lead on something. And you were like, it's not normal for a baseball head coach to take lead on the budget, but nothing's normal right now. Right. And, and I loved that. And so just maybe, you know, tell a little bit more about ways you're challenging the status quo and who you have involved in that committee. Yeah, uh, so the, the the finance committee was uh, is me and then um, two two other of our senior staff members. Um, but um, uh, one of our senior staff members who oversees a lot of our auxiliary operations, like the convocation center where we have outdoor outside events, um, and then um, a person that was relatively new actually to the process, which was really great because um, I love bringing new people into the process because then they're like, well, why do we do it this way? And I'm like, well, we don't have to. This is just, you know, how we have. Um, so it's been really great. Obviously, our athletic director, you know, checked in on us from time to time. Um, and then, you know, the rest of senior staff, you know, kind of had pieces and parts. So I talked about that whole value add with our uh, student fee uh, review. Uh, the other members of senior staff took that piece. And, um, and some of it probably from our athletic director's perspective was just to keep us, keep us locked in. Because I... I can't imagine how well, I can because I did it because I've got two head coaches that were like a mess. Um, but um, that part of leading on keeping your people engaged, especially at the beginning, um, I, in our in our industry or others, when when things change so quickly. I mean, fortunately, we were still employed. You know, we were just working from home. That's no problem. But it really the the COVID. Um, you know, it took away everything that we do. Like our, a lot of our primary functions all of a sudden disappeared. 
Um, so how do you how do you find value again? Like how do you say I'm contributing? And it's so important for your employees to feel that way. And I think uh, as I look back now uh, at the little committees that we did and everything, um, I feel like that was one of his main objectives, right? To keep us together, keep us communicating, even virtually, and and you know maybe have someone have a different uh, review of it or a different skill set or etc. Uh, the baseball coach thing was was interesting, and actually, I didn't really go into all the details earlier, but I mean, he's even helping fund um, part of our track scholarship out of his operating budget for this year. So it was it even got beyond that. It was like, hey, how are we going to do this? Of course, there were only at the end of the day, I think there's only maybe 15 student athletes, and they're not on fulls; they're all partial kids that we had to figure out solutions for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, and I, I loved uh, Chris and Clayton. They're like, oh, yes, we're all supporting an initial or another year of eligibility and we're paying for all of it. I'm like, that's we would love to. That would be great. Um, we were obviously concerned about setting the precedent to cover it in the spring. Because um, we had a very um, keen sense that this would happen this fall. Mm-hmm. And we might have been able to cover maybe right maybe been able to try to parcel together some op- some operating dollars for for the spring but the fall is just going to be it's it would be insurmountable i think um unless we shifted all of our efforts to fundraise for that you know yeah you know if we were talking about you know 30 more full scholarships for football and you can see where it all adds up and so we just couldn't set the precedent even if it was like, well, it's not that much more, but it just wasn't something that we felt like long-term we would be able to um, invest in. So yeah, but our baseball coach, he did all the numbers, although I don't know, I I mean, you know, we probably need to double check him a tiny bit, but he's really good. He's actually a very, very competent spreadsheet guy. Um, (laughs) So I just, I really like the collaboration and um, among the score programs. and, And I thought that was, that was a really neat, you know, result of, of kind of a really crummy situation uh, and I and I thought that was and long term again I think some of these I talked about it earlier I think some of these things that we're doing now all of us will will help long term I mean some of the stuff you know we can get rid of like wearing a mask every day but understanding that it's part of the thing right now but um, there's some good long-term things that that will come out of this I think yeah well I mean I think you know, part of what really got the public's attention about the impact on sports was when certain leagues started canceling football. And I'm curious for you, because you alluded to this in the lead one call, was your, and I know it's been this evolution of file save as, file save as, as you said, on forecasting, like, and consistently changing what the models are going to look like uh, as new decisions and new information comes available. But do you feel like that was the biggest shift of when the MAC decided we're not going to play football this fall? Or do you feel like it was a bigger impact um, when the Big Ten decided they were going to go conference only? Um, well, uh, I'll start kind of from the beginning. Um, so we, re- we recognize um, the distribution in June from the NCAA in next year, right? So we're already dipping down. It wasn't last year's budget that didn't meet. It's this year's budget that didn't meet when we were like a million dollars short from the NCAA. So, you know, March, going to March when we were planning for things, um, 
that was already, we were already a million dollars down from the NCAA tournament, knowing what the distribution was going to be like for the NCAA. Um, so that was kind of the first hit. The second hit was sort of a, um, some reserves money that we were counting on for FY20 that we obviously wouldn't have for 21. Uh, we got a coach payout and that moved into the next year and kind of helped us with some resources. Um, so we were already sort of in arrears there and then we had some other expenses that we couldn't control. And so we really started with sort of a $3 million deficit going into starting in March before anything happened with fall. And then, so we, we, we rectified that, right? We, we reviewed our option. That's when we unfortunately um, and hopefully temporarily reduced our scholarship number to full grant and aid, not up to cost of attendance. Um, managed some sport operating budgets, which again, we hadn't done yet. We hadn't done in the, all the cuts we've made before. So we're sort of dipping down. We changed some uh, appointments for graduate assistants. We've changed, um, you know, some of some fundamental stuff that we could count on saving, right, so from a staff standpoint. So we got, we got there. We got there. And I think we were um, still planning on um, football happening. At, at, at that three million and yeah then and so good because we'd already done the heavy lift we'd already told our kids i sat with our student athletes i mean you know this was a heavy lift to do these things we did and then everything else has happened right um uh the the big 10 thing i mean i we were counting on two two revenue streams so i so we we're gonna play maryland and iowa and the iowa was the gate was the guarantee right so maryland we were gonna it was a home and home so it wasn't it was you know, 350 to 350 in, in an alternate year. But Iowa was 1.1. I mean, we had teams in our league that $4 million they lost that day that the Big Ten made the decision to be conference only. And that I, I, I joke a little bit, um, I mean, it's not funny, but um, I felt like at that time when Big Ten decided they were changing their philosophy on conference only, I felt like we just, we just lost like a million dollars a day. And I was like, I mean, there's no way that we, I, we can't keep up, you know, just decisions that were made. And then we, um, you know, we were review, obviously reviewing uh, the solution to um, home football games. Should we have them? Right. So we're at 20. So our our in our state would allow 20 percent capacity in our state. Well, by the time you get through, you know, has, uh, season tickets and comps and student, you know, player guests and whatever, that, that's it. So, you know, game day walk-ups and great promotions and selling out the stadium and, um, you know, and if, if we have reduced schedule, what does that mean for our um, Learfield agreement or concessions? And, you know, all those auxiliaries that you're like 20%, 20%, 20%, you know, chair backs, bench backs, the premium seating, our every, everything, 20%. And I'm like, million dollars Iowa, you know, 1.1 or whatever it was. And then this 20% thing. And I'm like, um, what, what we, we just can't, we can't, we can't. I mean, you know, everyone, you know, I've gotten the question quite a bit and I'm sure my athletic director has too and other people, but you know, have you retained all your sports? And the answer is yes. So if that was on the list, you don't need to ask. Um, we have, and I know Minnesota, I guess, just dropped a few. Um, and, but you know, they had 25. 25 sports so that's that's a lot um and i and i i don't know that that will be the last i don't know i think people were sort of on the edge anyway and now um i'm hoping no because unfortunately it's the sports that don't get the recognition and the 
um, publicity uh, that uh, that unfortunately go by the wayside, which is a really, really not an just an awful part of our business. You know, I think cutting sports is the probably the hardest decision and the one that just requires so much for like thinking ahead of what's the ripple effect. It's not just saving co cost savings because it's going to impact enrollment to the university. It's going right. to impact. Um, I mean, there's just so much and you once you do it, you can do it. I mean, it's really hard to undo that. And so um, I think that's a conversation that um, people who've gone through it or have had to consider and weigh out all the options and really vet these decisions out, like schools like yours have really had to do that. Um, but I think that there are so much, there's so much, and you alluded to this earlier about the, the differences and responses even in the lead one um, webinar, which was great because there's different perspectives, but, um, you know, power five versus even, you know, group of five and other mid majors of, you know, how you've had to operate. And there's a, um, a, a CFO at Long Beach State, which they're not even a football school, but, you know, they're constantly saying, you know, we're, we've cut through fat a long time ago. Now we're cutting into muscle. Oh, and, for sure. And, and it's just one of those things that, the you know the larger schools that have more resources you know they have their own bigger challenges of no football and and all of that that i mean that's a huge catastrophic impact for them but at the same time they're just now addressing the low-hanging fruit where now you're having to climb up on someone else's shoulders to reach you know what's next and and i think that um you know, makes it harder. And and so, and even, you know, we talked a little bit about the metrics that you look at to keep your finger on the pulse of the financial health of your athletic department. And that looks different in different um, size schools. So um, can you mention a little bit about what you talked about in the webinar and just how you and um, Sean Fraser, your AD, are communicating so that he's made aware about those items as well? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, you know, over half of our budget is um, really relies on um, institutional support. So um, that's obviously a um, and and a number that has been asked of us to to reduce over time. And again, as uh, we talked about this earlier, uh, what we're really um, attempting to focus a lot of our efforts on is is generating external revenue, um, whether it is filling in the bucket of a decrease in institutional support intentionally, or we talked about this a little bit of enrollment maybe not being uh, meeting marks from a student fee standpoint. Um, and it's, again, it's always been the strategic goal of, of increasing the percentage of our budget compared to what, what our institution um, again, very generously provide. So how do we, how do we uh, do the extras? How do we control our destiny on, on moving our department, um, you know, it, to a, to a level that is new, right? Um, and, and when I, you know, it's funny because I was on the hiring committee when we hired Sean, and what, that's the first question I asked him. I said, we've got to get out of debt from our institution, not debt, I mean, as far as going over budget, but debt institutional funding. I said, so you tell me, how, how, what are the top three things you're going to do as AD to come in and, uh, and, and get us to where we can control more of what we want to control? Because when you're always asking for money, it's just like when you ask your parents for money. That's why you go out and make, get your own job and not rely on an allowance. You want to be able to go do what you want, not have to, they, they have to, they ask you, well, what are you doing with this? You're like, well, it's 
my money. So I'm going to do what I want to with it. Um, so, and, you know, he came in and did some great things and, and really set some really great things in process. And we changed a lot of our football schedule to kind of see if that, that temperature would, would happen, if that would increase our fan base, you know, bringing Mer BC to Hesky Stadium or, you know, bringing these power five schools in to play us at home. You know, does that get our people, our fans, you know, excited and, 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 and rocking along it. And again, that's, this is one of these things that you, when you're at a place that has some not predictable revenue streams um, and the ones you want to grow, you have to just throw some things out. I mean, you have to get the dartboard out <laughs> and maybe this is something I should have had earlier, um, not just for COVID, uh, but you have to just see what, what the temperature is going to take. Um, it's like any business. It's like, well, where are my, where's my best option to, to, to really generate revenue? Um, and so, you know, and we've planted a lot of seeds and, and, and luckily those have gotten us through quite a number of our, of our years of this, like you said, and, and I, I, I am going to use that from Long Beach. So you'll have to let, let the person know that I'm using it, but you're right. I mean, um, reduce, we were very, always very, very proud of the fact that we supported our student athletes up to cost of attendance and across the board. So it wasn't just, you know, primary sports or whatever you want to call them. It was everybody. And we were always very, very proud of our ability to do that. What, what we raised for it, um, how we uh, managed other buckets to make sure it would happen. So that was a real disappointment, I think, for all of us to uh, um, have to put that on pause for, um, again, hopefully a year. Um, but who knows? I mean, Clayton's like, well, it'll be, you know, six years from now before we, you know, I hope not, right? I hope it's not that long before we start digging out and things start looking a little different. But mm -hmm. Like, like Sean says all the time, the virus is going to decide. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I know in the past we've had fun conversations about in our spare time, we're going to go lobbying to change financial reporting models and things like that that just don't tell the right picture. It's not apples to apples. And, um, you know, the intent behind these reporting models that you have to follow that then becomes public record through various databases. Um, and then, of course, the papers get a hold of it and tell their own story. And, and that's really at a disadvantage. So how would you go about improving awareness around the issues that um, schools like NIU and other group of five and mid-major schools are dealing with from just, you know, the public perception of the financial state and then what you know, what would you, what kind of context would you add to that to really complete the, this picture there? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of our, especially everyone in our league, I can, I can speak to them because we have a, actually we have a little business managers call on occasion. And I know you see this come up with schools in our league quite a bit. Um, but, but the, um, you know, the, the faculty uh, or, you know, the campus reviewing, um, you know, big revenue bucket, um, Percentages. I mentioned before, I, we shouldn't hide the fact that to run an athletic department, Division One FES athletic department um, at NIU is is an investment on the campus. It is. They make an investment, and I don't. We we don't want to shy away from that. Um, we want to be honest about it. Um, but sometimes, sometimes you know, numbers numbers can either help you or sometimes uh, people go in and and really make them hurt you. What I would want is for us to have a dialogue about it, right? Instead of saying, you know, such and such, the athletic department gets student fees of a such and such amount. That's not fair. It should go to another another part of the institution. Um, and just let's just have a dialogue. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about why those fees were instituted and 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 
what's the value proposition that we're bringing to our institution? Um, instead of just kind of um, putting those figures out there without context. I think that's that's critical. Um, and you know, I've we've presented a faculty senate. We have um, our board of trustees is it's very favorable for us, and and we're transparent about our situation. Um, and and we also honor the resources we were provided and that we earn, and that except for this year, right? This is a, not a good year, but we honor our budgetary situation. So it's not like we're you know 10 million in the hole or something. I mean, this we honor what we're for what we have. And and we have for I mean I've been here a decade so and it's been great and we've been able to really protect and use our resources uh, in in the best way and most honorable way I I think um, for our department and our institution so it's just that um, I you know I think I think also the um, the expense side of the worksheet is is extremely interesting if you take the time to look at it I also believe that people stop at the revenue sheet. They're like, where are these monies going and why aren't we getting it instead of you? They don't even get to the second part. You know, when, when we're sitting here, we actually spend, we spend, we may not this year or FY21 because of the cost of attendance thing, but we spend more money on grant and aid than we do on salary. And that goes back to the university. Right. And um, people don't understand that. No, and then, so if you go through and take all those, and all those pieces and parts, um, you know, back out. That's that someone's done that. I think Jamie Pollard did. When I got in the business like 18 years ago, he did some like thing about analyzing all of the uh, expenses that are interdepartmental, right? That you're just you know like uh, duplicating services or you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, physical plant. You know, how much of what you're generating and your income is going back to supporting you know campus um, partners? Which again, we should do. I mean. We should spend our money where we work. That's I don't have an issue with that. It's just it's unfortunate that that doesn't that's not a green look. I don't know if I'd want to actually do the data dive for that. <laughs> Nobody out there probably people are like that's terrible. That's a terrible idea, but it might it might help you. I think Central Michigan, the 80th Central Michigan, a few years ago. Um, he's at Arizona State now, I think, but he did a huge study on that. I think he probably was getting some pressure on institutional support and said, well, um, but it pretty much all goes back to <laughs> to the institution, you know, if you look at a percentage basis. Um, and I always thought that was a, if you had time to figure that out, that would be an interesting, uh, I don't want to add it to the NCAA financial. Don't, don't say, don't quote me on that. Oh, that but, would just make, that would be a nightmare. But I, I, it's so important though, just to remember that part of the story that, um, you know, the money that is, if they're looking at your bottom line, or even if they're just looking at revenue, that there's so much give and take and it's like okay moving money from the left pocket to the right pocket it's still as a whole you know part of the ecosystem that you're in and it's not you know that you're just being frivolous with your revenues or overspending and then you know not even to mention there's things that aren't even on the report like capital improvements and sure. and all of that um right. so um well yeah. and i think um and, and I think it comes down to just uh, communication, right? I mean, uh, your athletic director obviously needs to have a sense of a sense of this, sense of what what the data is out there says. Um, and you also need to make sure, and they have a stake in the NCAA financial report that's submitted. Your president, right? So the sign-off of your president, while it's sometimes for those of us on this end really cumbersome to get done. Because you're like, I need it done, and I need it done today, or whatever, you know, the situation. 
um, but super critical that they can kind of elevator speech what they're doing for their department or what is happening. Uh, again, it's the, it's the golf story all over again. People find out that you're working college athletics. Uh, man, the on and on. I mean, I've actually found out from him, Minnesota was driving the four sports because he's on some Big Ten ticker thing because he went to Purdue. But it, it just got so interesting. So, I, I mean, even our president having like a little elevator speech of, of those percentages. We talked about our ADs having the metrics. Well, I would I would almost argue that our president gets more questions about about us than than sometimes our AD. So sure. it goes beyond that. It's like, well, give her give her the top five things, give her the top five questions that come up, and just so she has them in case she gets stuck somewhere and and needs to get a bailout. So. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, you know, I've seen because I've been in these meetings with you where you are engaging with campus, um, you know, your partners on campus and really informing them and making sure they fully understand the nuances of college athletics finances. And and that is a great point because, you know, presidents are involved in board of trustee or state level discussions or potentially even league discussions. And, um, you know, they need to be made aware of everything at all times so that they're making have the right context to make the best decisions for the university yeah for sure i mean especially um you know right now i mean the decision for to move fall spring i mean i i believe the president's needed i mean the president's made the decision for the leagues and that's how it should work that's who um we report to um but i feel like in our in our in the mid-american conference situations we really needed we Need it all in because it, we know we all knew if we decided to do this, it was going to be a financial a hardship, likely more than we had already planned for. Um, and so having that, um, hey, I got you. Um, we're making this decision, and we understand what the potential financial ramifications might be. Uh, and I and I and I feel really great great that our president had full full awareness, and and others too. Um, so. Again, I'm going in there with the right information to say, okay, we know what this is going to be, and this is uh, we know what information we have, and this is the decision we're making. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, what piece of advice would you give to your peers across college athletics? I, um, the business manager people who are on, who are listening here and watching us, is that who I'm talking to? Business managers or anyone going for the AD chair or just trying to run a, a successful athletics department and think outside the box? Yeah, I think to my business manager people, um, I would say uh, volunteer for everything. I mean, again, this is outside of COVID, right? This is not the COVID time. Of course, I would do that now for sure, because then you have a really good sense of your value when you add to the institution and the department. But I would try to keep doing that. Um, I mean, that's how I built my career. It started, I was a business manager, right? At a FCS uh, athletic department in San Marcos, Texas. And uh, again, I had an accounting background, so I had that kind of cachet when I talked to people on campus. But other than that, I didn't have a lot of experience within an athletic department. Um, so, um, but I volunteered for everything. Someone says, oh, who wants to oversee X? I'm like, I will. Who wants to do this? I will, right? So I feel like, and it might have been a detriment some points in my career, possibly, but um, I would just say you can't volunteer for nothing, um, because at at some point we all may want to not just be a business manager anymore. 
Um, I would say too, not COVID advice uh, for people in who who really love this business. Um, you know, shimmy up to your athletic director and get a sport, oversee a sport. It's a game changer. It's absolutely a game changer. It changes every way that you can lead. Because uh, again, when you're when you're kind of in the weeds of of, of a spreadsheet or you know social media graphic or uh, even a fundraising campaign, it, uh, it it seems like more like a job, right? This this business you could do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. As soon as you oversee a sport and you have a head coach reporting to you and you have kids look uh, relying on you to to lead, it changes the entire dynamic of the of the profession. Um, I would I wouldn't work anywhere where I didn't do that. I mean, obviously, if we get out of the business, I wouldn't do it. But it's um, it just changes everything about how you, how you how you lead people and how you see the whole department. I think that's another thing that I think business managers get a little bit um, narrowed in on. It's like, well, how do I make my budget balance? Well, sometimes you can't, right? And then you got to go to Plan B because you can't because you just can't or whatever. I mean, you know, you the, the circumstances don't support it. I think some people get a little um, focused in on that. Like, what's the big picture? Like, is it one thing that overran or is it everything? You know, how, how do we still make this work? How do we still look at the big picture of operation and, and by the end of 12 months, you know, we're good. Um, but I think I think it's just hard. It, it, it's just working through an experience and, and messing up, to be honest with you. Um, I probably screwed up more than I have done really good. Um, so... But I would say those two things, volunteer for everything. And, and if you love this business and you want to have it for the long term, you've got to figure out how to supervise a sport. Even if it's something that's not necessarily high level, you know, maybe it's a tennis program or an, um, something that doesn't have a lot of student athletes. So it makes it a little bit easier or some, you know, don't jump into maybe overseeing football right away. But um, and maybe just get your feet wet with some uh, some leadership that you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm. So two things I would say. Yeah, I mean, I can tell the people that supervise a sport, they just look at it completely differently. Um, I know someone in the industry that has talked about, you know, as they continue to move around to different schools, go, you know, go following their career path, they want to stay with a school small enough to still allow to, to be involved in supervising a sport because that's just where the passion is. Yeah, it's it's a game changer, really. I mean, I have a friend who's in the Pac-12 and she's been there a long time and she did recently pre-COVID. Of course, she probably doesn't want it now, but um, she's she oversaw sports. She texted me the day that it happened, and she's like, I I, am, I cannot believe this has happened. I'm so happy. Again, it, and it all depends. I mean, some people are like, you know, this isn't the, that's not what I want to see my career progress, progress as. But, but again, for those of you that are out there that are just like, I love this business, and I wanted to be in it for the, for the long haul, it, it really does change, um, changes your perspective. And again, I think it changes the way you lead. I really do. Mm-hmm. You just have a different stake in the game. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I like what you said about, you know, you've probably screwed up, but it's okay. I call it failing forward and that, you know, you're you go a few steps forward, a few steps back, but you're still ahead, you know, inch by inch. So keep trying. And yeah, that's how, that's how you get to where you're at today. Well, and I think some of it is um, just being vulnerable and, and admitting that, that, yeah, that wasn't the right thing to do. Um mm-hmm. And moving, moving forward. You're right. Failing forward. Yeah. And I mean, again, I don't think anybody, nobody has, everyone's made mistakes in some fashion. 
Uh, I think it's how you react to them and um, repair and move on. So, yeah, again, I, it, it, like I said, this little intern I have who plays basketball for us, she's, uh, she's got a great situation where she can really uh, not only figure out how to lead during a crisis, but watch other people try to do it, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and say, well, I wouldn't do it that way. I mean, I've been in the business 18 years and that, you know, you always do that. You're like, oh, that person, I wouldn't do it that way. You know, you yeah. always feel like you can make better decisions, but then when you're actually making the decisions, it looks completely different. So I don't know. Be, uh, I'm interested to see how she ends up in the business, you know, 10 years from now. She says she wants to be a coach. I'm going to try to talk her out of it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, thank you so much for your willingness to share and be so candid with us today. And, you know, your AD, Sean Frazier, is someone that's been in the public spotlight a lot. And I admire a lot of what he stands for in taking leadership during COVID and during um, diversity and inclusion and racial equity. And, um, you know, I think he's able to do that because he has such a strong team with him to really lead a successful flagship, you know, you know, grit, a, a, a department with a lot of grit. And um, and I know you have been, you know, hugely a right hand person to him. And I, um, you know, admire you a lot for what you're doing. Um, thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to News and Brew Sports Biz as we advocate for college athletics, financial voices to be heard. Um, please make sure you subscribe to this series on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, uh, please go in and give us a rating or leave a review. Or even if you tell a friend about us, um, that would be really helpful to us as well. Uh, you can visit our website, jmco.com, and contact me if you have a topic you'd like to see for a future show, or if you would like to join us, or even if you have some brew recommendations for us to feature on a future episode. Um, so continue to, to follow us on social media as more news comes up and things continue to evolve in the college athletics space. Um, thanks for tuning in and thank you, Deborah. Um, go Huskies. <laughs> and cheers. Cheers. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. All right. Bye.